Let's take our Bibles this morning, open the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 2, Ephesians chapter 2, we'll be looking at the last few verses, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse number 19, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 19, he says, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all things, or excuse me, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Father, we do pray that you would just bless now as we open your word. Uh, use it to speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, just may we hear from you this morning and to just draw closer to you. We thank you for your love, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we've been looking through chapter 2, um, he really comes to the end of chapter 2 here and really with a very powerful, a powerful thought. And uh, when we look in verse number 21 and 22, he says, "...in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple." In the Lord, and when you look at what he's talking about, he's speaking about the church, right? The church, not not a building as far as a physical building, but a but people. And Paul is is going to use a building as an illustration of the church. In fact, it was something that was very familiar with Ephesus and to the Jews because both the Ephesians and the Jews understood buildings of worship. Think about that, right? The Ephesians understood the building of worship as being the temple of the goddess Diana and how people would come from all over to worship in this temple of this false god, the goddess Diana. But the Jews also had a building and Jews from all over the world would come to Jerusalem to worship in the temple of God. And so both Jews and Gentiles had an understanding of this building of worship. Jews would go to the temple in Jerusalem, and the Ephesians and others would go to Ephesus and worship at the temple of the goddess Diana. And so Paul is going to use something that they understood to teach them about the church. And this is such, this is such an important truth that we get this morning and really understand what Paul is speaking because the end of chapter 2 really ties in the whole of of chapter 2 from the very beginning, really kind of the end of chapter 1 all the way through to the end of chapter number 2 here. And if I believe if we will, if we'll get this, if we'll get what Paul is saying here about the building, about the church, it will help us to have a stronger church. It will help us to have stronger lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we miss it, if we miss what Paul is saying, we don't, we don't grasp it, we don't, we don't apply it, it'll destroy the church. It'll destroy it. So watch what he says here. Look, we're going to look at several things that Paul teaches us about this building. Uh, again, not a, not a physical building, but this building, the church, the people. Right, And again, he's using a parallel. He's using uh, the example of a building, right? So watch what he says here. Notice, 
the first thing that we find is in verse number 20. We, if we're going to build the church or the building of the church must have the right foundation. Verse number 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So Paul describes this building. Again, think about what he's saying in verse number 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. So he's using this idea of this building, this building for God. But he says, in order to have this, this magnificent building for God, you have to have the right foundation. The right foundation, Paul describes the the church as a glorious building that rests upon a a magnificent foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and the apostles, he says, he said, everything rests upon him. Without Jesus Christ, there is no foundation. Without Jesus Christ, there is no church. Because it is only through Jesus Christ that we're able to be part of this building, to be part of this church. If, if, there is, if Jesus Christ is not the right foundation, uh, you're going to have a pretty weak building. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the foundation. If you understand anything about buildings, you'll find that in most buildings as they build, there is, there is a cornerstone. And the cornerstone is what everything else in the building is built off of. I can remember in, in Uganda when we were building our, our, our church building and uh, there was that one, there was that one uh, stone, there was that one thing that we were building everything else off of. And if you get that one stone wrong, the whole building is going to be wrong because everything else is going off of this one foundation, this one cornerstone. And this is what, this is what Paul is telling us. Look, if you really want the church to be right you must have the right foundation and it must be Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Because if, if you're trying to build on something other than Jesus Christ, you're going to mess it up. If you're trying to build uh, your home, if you're trying to build your family, if you're trying to build a, a, a church, if you're trying to build a career, whatever, and it's not built on Jesus Christ and it's not built on that cornerstone, it's all going to be messed up. It's all going to be messed up. And this is why he says, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. If the cornerstone is weak or it's off, then the whole building is going to be off. You get the cornerstone right and then you pour the foundation once you get the cornerstone, then you're able to pour the rest of the foundation. The Bible tells us the, that other, that rest of the foundation is the apostles and prophets. And then once you get the foundation right, then you begin to build on that. And so he's talking about as, as Christians, we're building upon this foundation, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. If you don't have that right in your life, everything else is going to be messed up. You say, well, I believe in Jesus. Friend, it's not just enough to believe in Jesus. It's not enough to know he existed. You have to know him personally. Because if, you're not, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally, then you're not, you're not building on that sure foundation. You're not building on that cornerstone. Look, I, I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that build their whole lives on cornerstones that are religious cornerstones. Or, you know, what many people would say, good cornerstones, I'm a good person, or all these different things. But friend, he said, Jesus Christ has to be the chief cornerstone. 
Because if it's not built on Jesus Christ, it's not going to work. By the way, may I say, if you notice here, he says this Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, and then the apostles and prophets are the the finishing of the foundation. If they are the foundation and we are the building, and we are building on the foundation, then may I say, guess what we do not have today? We do not have apostles and prophets today. You say, but oh, I heard so-and-so was called an apostle. I heard so-and-so was called a prophet. Wait a minute. Think about this. If they are the foundation, you don't keep pouring the foundation over and over and over and over and over for 2,000 years. You've you got to build sometime, right? Where's, where's the building, right? And we have this idea, well, the apostles and prophets, no, that was the foundation. And now the building is being built on top of them. Right? And this is what he's saying. You have to have the right foundation, and it must be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the right foundation. But notice, secondly, you have to have the right material. In order to build, you have to have the right material. It cannot just be any material. You have to have the right material. I love the material that this building is being built with. It's very unusual material that this building is being built with. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and the apostles and prophets are the foundation, but now the, the building is being built on the foundation. And the material that is being used, well, look in verse number 17. He says, And he came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that are nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You know what the material is? It's Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile make up the material. We, we, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're part of that material that he is using to build the church, both Jew and Gentile. And notice he says, both come to salvation the same way, by faith in Jesus Christ. There is not a salvation for the Jews and a salvation for the Gentile. There's not a salvation for the rich and a salvation for the poor. There's not a salvation for the educated and the uneducated, friend. It's the exact same way. It's through Jesus Christ. And this is what he says. Think about, think about with me again. He says, for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Through Jesus Christ, we are able to have access to God. Through Jesus Christ, we're able to be used as the material for this building. Look, can I tell you something? We don't deserve to be used. We don't deserve to be used, right? But he says, now that we are in Christ, we are actually being used. We're the the brick, we're the stone that's being used to build this building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The material is made up of Jew and Gentile. Now we aren't strangers. We aren't aliens. We, we, are, we aren't without hope anymore. We aren't without God as we saw last week as he says up there in verse number 12. Because now we are in Christ. And friend, there's only one way to have hope. There's one way to have access to God. And he said it is through Jesus Christ. It's not through religion. It's not through religion. It's not by being good. It's not through a baptism. It's not by being keeping the 10th commandment. It's only through Jesus Christ. By him, the Bible says, 
we have access to the Father. Through Jesus Christ, we are able to have our sins forgiven. Through Jesus Christ, the the punishment for sin has been taken, and now we can have our sins forgiven and have a, a home in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. The material. But here's one of the things that's really interesting about this building. It grows. Now, I don't know about you. I've never seen a building that grows. <laughs> right? Have you ever seen a building grow? I don't think so. We've never seen that. But notice what he says at the end of verse number 21. He says, In whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. This is a unique building. It's unique. It grows. The word grow means increase, or in other words, it's, it's always being added to. This building, this church, the body of Christ is, is always being added to. And notice how both in verse number 21 and verse 22, notice how they begin. In whom? Verse number 21. Verse number 22. In whom? What's he saying? The only way that you can be part of this building is if you're in Christ. The only way you can be part of it is in Christ, right? So we have to understand that the church, again, we're not talking about a physical building here. The church is Jesus's body, just as we saw back in chapter one. Notice what he says in verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. So again, he's giving this correlation of the body of Christ and the church, right? The church being his body. So how does the church grow or increase? Because he says this church is, the, the, the building is growing unto an holy temple in the Lord. It's increasing. How does it, how does it happen? Well, in, in Uganda, I thought this was really interesting as I was thinking about this, uh, this passage here. And I remember when we first went to Uganda, this was many, many years ago, uh, they taught in some of the schools uh, about skyscrapers. Everybody knows what a skyscraper is, right? Some of you don't know what a skyscraper is? Really? I think we all know what a skyscraper, a high rise, right? And, uh, and this is, I, I was talking with a guy and, and he asked me, he's like, Pastor, I need to ask you, is this really true? And I said, what? He's like, well, how they build these, these really tall buildings. I said, like the high rise of the sky? Yeah. How he's like, well, this is what they taught us in school. He said, what they taught us in school was that a father would build his house And then his sons and children would build their houses on top. And then the grandchildren would build their houses on top of that. And they would just keep going and going and going until you have these sky rises, these high rises, these these tall buildings. He said, is that true? I said, no, that is not true. (laughs) Not true at all, right? Uh, It would be interesting, right? It'd be very interesting, but not, not true at all. But the thing is, it's a really interesting illustration for our passage here. They were taught in these schools that a, a father would build his home and then his children would add on. And so, you know, if a father had four children, then you would have a five-story. You have the father's home and then you have the next four kids. And then if they had grandkids and they would build on top of that and, and it just keeps getting taller and taller and increasing. How does the church of God, how does the body of Christ, how are we able to increase or how does it grow? Well, in the same way. 
you and I as Christians are to be reaching other people for Jesus Christ. It's not the physical birth that we're speaking about here, but it's the spiritual birth. As we are trying to reach people with Jesus Christ and and try to tell them about Jesus Christ and then they put their faith in Christ, then what happens? They become part of that building. And what happens? The building has grown. And then as we reach more people for Jesus Christ, what happens? They become part of that building. What happens? The building has grown. The building is increasing. You see, what happens is your brick or stone has been laid in the building. But once you were put into the building, the building wasn't finished. Now, I know we like to think that once we were put into the building, that it became the perfect building, right? I mean, once our stone was placed into that building or once our brick was put in that building, I mean, God just doesn't need anything else. He's got me, right? I mean, it must be complete. Yeah, sorry to burst your bubble. That didn't happen. It's not over. The building can only grow and increase as we go and reach others for Christ. And we tell them about Jesus Christ and they're able to put their trust in him so that then they can be added to the building. Again, think about what he says here. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. So he says, as this building hit, God's desire is for this building to continue to increase, this building to continue to grow, more bricks to be added, more stones to be added. But the only way that more bricks and stones can be added is if you and I, as Christians who are already part of the building, are trying to reach others. So I want to ask you a very serious question this morning. How much has the building increased because of you? How much has the building increased because of you? Because his desire is not that the building would stop. It's not his desire for the building to just get a certain point and stop. No, he continues. The Bible tells us for God so loved the what? Come on. For God so loved the what? The world. So do you think right now that every person in the world is part of this building? No. So then why have we stopped? Why are we not adding more bricks? Why are we not adding more stones? Why are we not trying to reach more people with the gospel? Why have we just sat back and said, well, hey, my brick is in, my stone is in, so I'm good. Well, wait a minute. How did your brick and how did your stone get in? Someone had to tell you. Someone had to reach you. Someone had to invite you. Somebody had to give you a track. Somebody did something so that you could hear about Jesus Christ so you could be placed into that building. And sometimes we just get this idea, well, now that I'm in, everything's cool. Now that I'm in, nothing else needs to happen. Oh, no, friend. The building is supposed to be continually growing. The building is supposed to be increasing. And the only way for the building to increase is if you and I, who are already part of the building, are trying to reach others and bring them in so that they can know about Jesus Christ. Now, please understand, I'm not here saying this morning that if you haven't put 
a hundred bricks or a hundred stones, if you haven't brought a hundred people to Jesus Christ or a thousand people to Jesus Christ. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that every one of us ought to be trying to add to the building. Every single one of us ought to be doing everything we can to try to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God's desire is for this building to increase. God's desire is for this building to grow. Can I tell you something? I'm glad the building didn't stop before I was put into it. Don't you think there are still some more bricks and some more stones that need to be put into this building? Then why have we stopped? You see, it's only you and I who are able to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, friend. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's why we're here, so that we can try to reach others with the gospel so that they can put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ in that cornerstone. We can't save them. We have to bring them to the cornerstone. But once they meet Jesus Christ and they put their faith in him, then they get to be added into that building. What a glorious day that is when we get to see people added to the building, added to the body of Jesus Christ. You see, the material is people. It's people, Jew and Gentile. But the building is to be growing. The building ought to be growing so that others can be saved. And if we're not helping to add to the building, then friend, what are we doing? If we're not helping to add other bricks and other stones into the building, what, is, what are we doing? What is our purpose here? Well, I just, I just want to look good. Who cares about what you look like? Who's the cornerstone? It's Jesus. Everything needs to be built off of him. It's not about us. We have to have the right foundation. We have to have the right material. Again, the only way that we can be part of this building is to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And praise God, that's for anybody. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just for Jew. It's not just for Gentile. It is for anyone who is willing to repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. It's for anyone. But how are they going to know if nobody goes and tells them? Somebody has to tell them they can be part of this building. They can be part of this building. There's something that I want to do in this building. Isn't that great? You're not, you're not excited about what I want to do in this building? I mean, there's something, there's something really neat that I want to do in this building. And I know all of you, you're all going to love it. You're all going to want to be involved in it. It's, it's going to be so great. Aren't you excited about it? You don't seem very excited. Aren't you ready to do it? Are you ready to do it? Yes. Some of you are like, I'm not really sure, Pastor. What am I going to have to do? Get in like a dunk take or something? You know, I'm not sure. You see, I can say, hey, I've got something really neat that I want to accomplish. But if I don't tell you about it, how are you going to get excited about it? If I don't tell you about it, how are you going to want to even be a part of it? Now, I'll tell you what I want to do. Before, 
Before we put the carpet in the auditorium around the platform, before we get that done, we're going to take a day and we're going to go. And I want people to like write a scripture verse or sign their name or do something. I think that'd be really cool. And just we're going to have a time of prayer and praying over the auditorium before they put the carpet in. And guess what? Every time you go in there, you'd be like, see that spot right there? No, not the carpet stain. That, that spot right there. Yeah. I put a scripture verse right underneath that. I, my, my name's underneath that. And we're, we're praying that God would do something great. Man, we'd be like, man, that's really cool. That's exciting. But the only way for people to really get excited, the only way to even be able to do it is if you're told about it. See, the only way for somebody to be able to know how to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is for somebody to tell them about it. I'd be like, man, I got some great news, man. It's going to be exciting. It's going to, it's going to change your world. And then we just never say anything about it. What good does that do then? You know it. You've experienced it. You know you've accepted Christ as your Savior. But what good does it do them if you're not willing to share that and, and tell them how they can as well? How does the building grow? How does it increase if we're not willing to share it with others? We have to have the right material. But may I say, thirdly, not only is there a right foundation and right material, but may I say there must be the right attitude. There must be the right attitude. Look in verse number 21. He says, In whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Now, I want you to notice a certain phrase here. He says, in whom all the building, notice these next three words, fitly framed together. Fitly framed together. Do you know what we have to understand about this building? This building is not about you and me. This building the body of Jesus Christ that he's talking about here, it's not about you and me. This building is his body. Do you want to know what I don't ever want to be accused of by the Lord? I don't ever want to be accused of the Lord of messing up his building. I don't want to mess up his building. I want his building to grow. I want his building to increase. I want his body to grow. I want his body to increase. I want to keep reaching people with the gospel. So how do we mess up the building? We mess up the building when we have the wrong attitude. We mess up the building when we start thinking that the building is all about me. We mess up the building when we start looking at other bricks and stones in the building and we want to start fighting with them. Wait a minute. Why are we fighting with other bricks and stones in the same building? Why Aren't we trying to increase? Aren't we trying to grow this building? We get offended because maybe we're a brick and not a stone in the building. 
well, how come God didn't put me in this place right here? Man, look at how that stone is being used. Well, how come I didn't get to be part of the foundation? Man, I should have been part of the foundation. Or or how come I'm not that brick over there? Man, that brick, I mean, you know, he's just, he just seems like he's just holding everything together. How come I'm not that brick? How come I'm not that stone? How, How come I'm not? And we begin to get jealous of other people. We begin to get jealous and we start having our own little pity party. And we're just going to take our ball and go home. Here's the thing you have to understand. You can't just take your ball and go home without affecting the building. You can't just have your own little pity party. You can't just have your own little attitude. You can't fight with other people that are in the body of Christ. And you can't become jealous and start fighting with them without affecting the body of Jesus Christ. And we start saying, hey, well, it's all about me. No, it's not about you. It's about him. And we can't get over our little petty preferences and things like this. We can't get over our little attitudes with people. And we just say, hey, well, it's about, it's about me. No, friend, you've got the wrong attitude. It is not about you. Well, he didn't ask me to serve. Pastor didn't ask me to do this. Or they didn't, they, they didn't ask me. Or they're asking me to do too much or whatever. And, and we get so, well, I'm just not the brick. I, I want to be a stone. Or, or I want to be used over here, you know. I want to be the brick that's next to the window. I don't want to be the brick that's just in the wall, you know. I want to be the brick that's next to a door, right? Who cares? You're in the building. That's what ought to be the most important thing. You're in the building. Praise God for that. You're a brick. You're a stone. And he's going to put you where he wants you to be. Why can't we just get over ourselves and say, you know what? It's not about me. It's about him. It's about Jesus. It's about growing his body. It's not about growing me. It's not about growing First Baptist Church. It's not about growing uh, me or my ministry or whatever. No, it's about Jesus Christ. And we want to increase his body. We want to try to get the gospel out so others can know about Jesus Christ. And instead, we start fighting amongst ourselves. We get jealous of ourselves. And we just begin to affect his body. Now, here's what's so interesting about chapter 2. I said it ties everything in together. Paul deals first with man's relationship with God. Did you notice that in in chapter 2? He deals first with man's relationship with God, which is what caused separation and sin in the first place. When when Adam and Eve sinned against God, it brought sin, it brought separation. But what what was the second separation that man committed? The first one was between God. But guess what the second one was? The second separation, the first one, the first was man now separated from God. But the second is man separated from man. What did Adam do when he was confronted with his sin? It's the woman, God. She did it. Her fault. What did the woman do? It's the serpent's fault. His fault. What did Cain do? It's Abel's fault. And he killed his brother. You see, God deals first in Ephesians with man's separation from God. And that's what we find in verses 1 through 8, right? All of this dealing with how we are reconciled to God. But now he's showing us how to make the second relationship right. Man with man. 
It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're poor or, or, uh, or, or rich. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. What does he do? He's showing that we are all placed into one body. We're all placed into the body of Christ. And you know what? He, when Jesus looks at the body of Christ, he doesn't see Jew and Gentile. He doesn't see male and female. He doesn't see rich and poor. He doesn't see those things. You know what he sees? He sees one body. And that one body ought to be working together for the cause of Jesus Christ. Not fighting it. Not fighting each other. So what does he do? He shows how to make this second relationship right. Why? Because as we saw back in verse number 21 and 22, of cha- or 22 and 23 of chapter 1, we are the church, his body. We are representing Jesus Christ here on earth. So how does the world see his body? How does the world see Jesus Christ? Because they can only see him through you and me. They don't look at a building physically to see Jesus Christ. Guess where they look? They look at the building with the right material of men and women who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, those bricks and those stones that have accepted Christ as their Savior and are being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and they look at them, and that's what they see of Jesus Christ. Why is it so important that we get over ourselves? Why is it so important that as a body of believers that we work together for the cause of Christ is because that's what the world sees of Christ when they see us. Now, may I say there's also in this fellowship, there are responsibilities. Every person has responsibilities in a household, right? Being part of the family of God, being part of this body means that there are certain responsibilities that we are to fulfill. Just as parents expect certain things of their children, God expects certain things of us. He expects us to live righteously. He expects us to live holy. He expects us to live godly. Why? Because the world is looking to us to see what Jesus truly is. You know what he doesn't expect of us? You know what he doesn't want the world to see? Fighting and anger and selfishness and jealousy and pride. Think about in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. He says, this is for God. This building is being built for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, It's his body. And man, as a Christian, we ought to say, Lord, I don't ever want to do anything to to affect this body that is growing. I don't ever want to hinder the, the body from growing, this building increasing. I don't ever want to do that. I don't ever want to mess it up, God. I don't ever want to be the cause of someone that that could have come to know Jesus Christ and then they didn't because of me. Because of man, well, you know, at work, you know, this guy, he says he's a Christian, but you know what? He's always just bad-mouthing these other people that he calls his brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, what does that tell the unbelievers at work? If you can't get along with those people that you call your Christian family, why would he want to be part of it? Why would she want to be part of it? 
your relatives, they, they see you at home. They see you around when you're at family functions and things, and they know that you're supposed to be a Christian. And they hear you. They hear your, you, you, what comes out of your mouth. They know what you do. They, they see how you act around other people. And they're supposed to be the body of Christ. If that's the body of Christ, why would I want to have anything to do with it? And what happens? We are now hindering the growth of the body. We are now causing stones and bricks that could be put in to say, no thanks. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Do you know who that falls on? Can I tell you, it doesn't fall on the cornerstone. It doesn't fall on the foundation. That's been laid. That's, that's perfect. That cornerstone, he's perfect. It falls on you and I as Christians, as we're trying to help that building to grow. And instead of helping it to grow, we hinder it. Because somehow we think it's all about us. And I say, we ought to just be so thankful to God that we get to be part of the building. We ought to be so thankful to God to say, Lord, I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to have my sins forgiven. I don't deserve to be a brick. I don't deserve to be a stone. I don't deserve to be the little thin piece of mortar that goes between the bricks. Oh, but God, thank you for saving my soul. Lord, let me live my life to help build this building. Hey, we've got the right foundation. Amen? We've got the right foundation. It's Jesus Christ. We know what the material is. It's people. People are the material. That's the bricks and the stones. But do we have the right attitude toward the building? Do we have the right attitude toward it? Or has the building become more about me and what I want instead of him and what he wants? What's your attitude toward the building? Oh, I'm not talking about this building here. I'm talking about his body. What's your attitude toward his body? Because when people look at you, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you know you're saved, you don't have to be a member of First Baptist Church to be part of his body. If you're saved, you're part of his body. So what does the world think of Jesus when they look at you? Because here's what he says. Notice in the last verse. In whom... Ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. God says, not only are we part of the building, but he says God is trying to build something in us. God's trying to build and work in our lives individually. And can I tell you, if we won't let him work in our life individually, it's going to be really hard for us to really help the building to grow. What is our attitude toward the body of Christ? Who's the body of Christ? The material? It's Jew and Gentile. Men and women, boys and girls. Anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So what's your attitude? Is it all about you? Or is it about Jesus and helping to grow and increase his body? With her heads bowed and her eyes closed. No one looking about this morning.
Friend, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. The most important thing is having the right foundation. The right foundation is not a religion. It's not a denomination. It's not good works. It's not a baptism. It's not the Ten Commandments. The right foundation is Jesus Christ. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I didn't ask if you know about him or if you believe in him. But do you have a personal relationship with him? Is there a time in your life when you know that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure of that. I'm not sure that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But I would like to know how I could have that. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you this morning. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I would like to know how I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking around. I'm not going to call you out. Just slip it up and put it right back down. Pastor, that's me. I'd like to know how I could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Just slip it up and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. Yes, God bless you. Someone else, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Friend, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And if you truly would like to know how to have that personal relationship with Christ, I'd love to just meet you right down here in front if you'd be willing to step out in just a moment. Or even after the service, if you'd meet me in the back and say, Pastor, I'd like to know more about that. We'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can have that relationship with Jesus Christ. A Christian, can I ask you this morning? You say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I've got the right foundation. That's Jesus Christ. The material, it's people. Are we doing all we can to reach people with the gospel to help that building to grow? Look, it's not about how many. That's, that's not it. That's not what we're saying. It's not a numbers game. But are we trying to help to add to that building? Telling people about Jesus Christ. Showing them how they can have that relationship with him. If not, friend, what are we doing? We're just glad to be in the building and that's all we're going to do? We're not going to tell anybody else about it? We have much to do. There's so many that need to hear about Jesus Christ. Christian, you have the right attitude toward the building? You think that the building's all about you? When people look at you, what do they see? Do they see fighting, jealousy, pride, selfishness? What do they see? Or do they see Jesus? They need to see Jesus. We're his body. They need to see Jesus. Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, work the invitation. As you've spoken to hearts, I pray that we'd be obedient to what you've spoken to us about, Lord. Draw us to yourselves. Lord, may we empty ourselves of pride and selfishness and jealousy and all these different things. Lord, things that are hindering the building growing. And Lord, may we just look to you and desire for you to be seen through our lives. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The piano is just going to play softly. Mm-hmm.